Hello, everybody, and this is the Justin, the Nick of Time podcast debut episode. I'm I'm Justin, joined here by co-host Nick. Howdy. And what we like to do here is uh, talk Nebraska football, even though after this week we'd r- rather not. Yeah, we used to really enjoy that. That used to be a fun thing for us to do with our spare time, and now, I mean, the job's starting to feel like a job, Justin. Yeah, I I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan. And that game gave me the most Super Bowl 51 vibes I've felt since. Because during the first half, you're like, this is good, but it can't be this easy. Yeah, like, the beginning of the game went great. And it it did feel like, you know, we go up... 17-0. 17-0. But I'm thinking, like, so we go up 14-0. And then we end up having to kick that field goal. And that was the first moment where it's like, it feels like we probably could have scored another touchdown on that it's, drive. And and you're forgetting, uh, we were driving in Colorado territory, and Martinez fumbled. Oh right. And then right. Yeah. yeah. So, so that was, in my opinion, the first setback. So so there was some there was some pretty fairly early. Yeah. I mean, late in the first half. Yeah. Signals that the wheels might be coming off the bus. Ex- but ex- yeah. Exactly. You know. After that Martinez fumble, I started thinking, oh, here we go again. But the defense held. Right. And then, you know, right before the half, we get uh-huh. a huge interception. Yep. And then I'm like, okay, this is going to be 21 nothing at half. And the offense just stopped clicking. Yep. The only reason they scored was because they had the field position from the interception return. And so you've heard a lot about, like, Colorado's halftime adjustments, which yeah. were substantial. Yes. Right? I totally agree. But there was more than just, like, they came out and played a better second half there. Like, something fell apart. If this if this game proved anything to me, it's that this team is, like, I don't know if finicky is the word, but it's just, like... Inconsistent? Uh, but it's, lacking it's identity? More than, it's more than inconsistent. It's more than lacking identity. But there's a certain je ne sais quoi that, like, I, I just, something doesn't add up. There we right? go. I don't know if something's happening on the sidelines that we don't know about. I don't know if there's poorer communication um, on field than, than, we, than we hear about. But but there's just a whole lot of weird inconsistencies with this team. And you see that, you know, these players talk a lot of trash. They talk a really, really, really big game. And I mean, I saw a quote, I forget who it was, but I saw a quote after the game that's like, yeah, no, no one's going to care about Colorado yeah. when we're in the Big Ten Championships. Like, that was Mo Berry, senior linebacker. Yeah. Yeah. Who did not have a good game, I might add. No, absolutely. Uh, it's just, what the hell compels you to say that in this state, in this environment, where you know how people feel about Husker football and react to a loss? How is that the right thing to say? I I, I don't. The thing is, I'm glad he kind of said that because I can hear that where the frustration is coming from. He this because that's such a thing to like m- mentally tell yourself after a loss. Is that we're going to come back better. And like, I get that well, that's a good mentality to have, but I don't think it's the right one because he's very clearly th- thinking way over his head here. Oh, absolutely. By saying that, okay, we're still going to make the conference championship. No, just like, while I like the move on fast, focus on what's in front of you. Right. Do you think this team looked past Colorado? I don't 
I, I think because they lost last year and and because of the way they lost with uh, their questionable uh, tactics of tackling Adrian Martinez, which led to him getting injured, which is the way I am going to say that so I don't say that they injured our quarterback purposely. I'm not saying that they did. I'm I'll just go saying, ahead and say that. Yeah. No one's listening to this. Definitely <laughs> no one in Colorado. I'll go ahead and say that. That's yeah. Fine. So this had to have been on their brains. I, I cannot imagine why they would be overlooking this game. But So then is there an overconfidence going into the second half? Is that's, that that's more of the it. The vibe you get? Because it was so <clears throat> easy in the first half to move the ball against the defense. It was so easy for the defense to just stop them. It was a textbook bend-don't-break defensive performance because Colorado would get to the 40-yard line and then nothing they do would work. Their quarterback did not look to be in rhythm. Their two-star wide receivers weren't making any plays. We had everything on lockdown. Right. Yeah. So if the offense just comes out and we get the ball at half, if the offense just comes out and does what they do in the first half, that's 24 nothing, and nobody it's going to be super hard. I'm not saying nobody could do it, but gosh, that would just have to demoralize the Colorado team, give them no momentum from the start. And what was basically a road game for Colorado, I might add. Yeah. The stadium, this was our second straight home game against Colorado, basically. Right. No, and that that's something we need to talk about. There was definitely something that was a big part of the hype before the game yes. and something that I'm endlessly impressed with Nebraska fans about. Like, yeah, it looked like a home game. We set up West Campus in Colorado, mm-hmm. and I think that that was, like, you know, incredibly impressive and a testament to how much people care about this team mm-hmm. and believed. Is it past tense in this team? I am I not. So. I have not gotten the sense that people buy this team anymore and buy that we're going to do any better than 6-6. Six and six. Yeah, you know, which is like six and six, seven and five should have been the expectation coming into the season, if you ask me. But nobody, anywhere, anytime, will accept a loss like that. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. What does it take for absolution here? Is that possible? Can we get back on this team's shoulders after this? The thing I think that would do it is if we somehow beat Ohio State. That's my thinking. It's yeah. got to come almost immediately. Yes. Because then. Through five, we're what three and two? No, we would be four and one, assuming we win, oh, no, 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 win no. both of our games leading up to Ohio State. Yeah, see, and, I can't even make that assumption. The math in my head won't let yeah. me. Yeah, um, and keep in mind that's a big assume. If if there was a year to beat Ohio State, this would be it, right? Theoretically, yes, but oh my. God, they look good in their first two games. Really? Yes. All right. So. Yeah. I was expecting them to take a step back, too, with no Urban Meyer, but I've yet to see them in conference play, and they have yet to play a Power 5 team, but. So that's that's the silver lining, right? Is this yeah. loss isn't a conference loss. Exactly. So. It, in a just world, it would be a conference loss, given that Nebraska and Colorado would be in the same conference. But, right, we talked but, about this last yes. time. <laughs> we talked about it last time. But yeah, it's not a conference loss. So there's still a prize out there to be claimed. Like the division title is still, I guess, reasonably within our sights. Because last year, the division title went to Northwestern, who lost to Akron. Right. Mm-hmm. So. And we only felt like we lost to Akron yes. last year. So. 
it was it wasn't just her incompetence it was also excruciatingly bad luck yes like no absolutely but like, that that is the kind of thing that good teams they don't allow it to come down to bad luck <laughs> but like you know, really we had chance after chance after exactly. chance after chance to close out that game and due to incompetence we didn't take it. So don't talk to me later about bad luck when you've missed the buck four or five times on a shot where you had the perfect opportunity to finish the job, right? Don't let it come down to bad luck. Scott Frost in the past has been known, both as a player and as a coach, to know how to turn on the Jets and mm -hmm. shut down a game, right? Um, his last bowl game at UCF, right? Yes. Totally shuts down that game. They charge down the field and score. I remember reading about this earlier this week. It's like, where has that intensity that UCF had under Scott Frost? Yeah. I haven't seen it here. I don't know. You've got Team A, UCF, mm -hmm. and Team B, Nebraska. Okay. Right? Let's just logically walk through this story here. Star coach Scott Frost gets credit blame for most of what UCF does. Yes. Right? Yeah. Because cause he turned them from 0-12 in two years later, 12-0. Granted, the previous administration uh, with George O'Leary being the like coach slash athletic director or something like that, he literally did not care about the team. Like, say what you will about, you know, the Mike Rileys. He at least, you know, put in an effort. Right. Showed up to practice. Yeah. 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 O'Leary o o would not show up to practice or do anything. And this was a team that had won the Fiesta Bowl in 2013. So they had talent there in a talent-rich state. So their roster had the pieces to do what Scott Frost did. Scott Frost just did it, and he gets the credit for making them do that. Right. But so, people also acknowledge that he had excellent players. Right. So the Lord and Savior comes home. Mm -hmm. Right. And we've got, at least on paper, what seems to be a roster that could do the job. Yes. That could go nine and three. Get us back to the halcyon days of Bo Pelini. And you've got a coach who has done more with a less historic, mm -hmm. less, you know, traditionally powerhouse program. And I don't know, but that Colorado game looked a lot like last year's Colorado game on a lot of mm -hmm. levels where we just didn't quite get the job done. Is there something about Nebraska? Is there something about the environment here and the way that everything works here that makes it more, just that much more difficult to get ish turned around because it just, Justin, it doesn't make sense. And I like things that make sense. I like things that are orderly. I like things that fit together. And nothing here adds up. I've got a whole, like, bulletin board string theory thing on, like, you know. But but I don't have any conclusive, like, this is the thing. This is what's hindering us. Is is there a curse? Did someone leave a goat or something? Like, I don't, I don't know. What, what's going on? The one person I think who could be the reasonable suspect for a curse would be Frank Solich, who most Nebraskans would, with hindsight being 2020, say that his firing was unjust. Absolutely. I think that that's fair. So if he were a man of spite, which I don't believe he is, no. he could have put the curse there. Uh-huh. Or another thing I'm thinking of, we just don't know what to do when good things happen. Because remember, 
No, I, I'm actually... That's, that's the most Midwestern thing ever. I gotta love that. That's... <laughs> and I'm not even joking with this. Like, Colorado takes the kickoff. This is, like, four minutes left in the game. Big return. They fumble it. We recover it. <laughs> we should have the ball at the 50 and at least get a field goal try out of the drive. But no, one of our coaches bumps into a ref on the sideline. That's 15 yards back. We get too cute on first down and throw the ball away, which turned into an intentional grounding penalty and killed any chance of us getting even a first down on that drive. If we just ran it and got tackled, that that would kill 40 seconds at least and make Colorado's last drive. They'd be running out of time on that last drive. They they wouldn't have time to get that touchdown if we would have just ran the ball three times in a row. Yep. Absolutely. You know, because we had the blessing of a fumble and we made nothing out of it. We have to talk. We have to talk about kicking. Oh, my gosh. Which, over the last few years in Nebraska, has not been a fun subject. Justin, let me tell you a story. Okay. All right. I've got a friend. Mm-hmm. You don't know his name yet. I don't think so. But one day you will. Because he is going to be the next starting kicker for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. His name is Dustin Sprunk. Oh, my God. After the game, right? We're not in a good place. We're not in a good place. I march off to my room. Dustin spent 10 minutes crying on his couch. We get back together. We decide to go to the rack. We're on a mission. We, one one of the three of us, myself, my friend Ethan, and Dustin Sprunk. We go to the rack. And I top out at about 25. Oh, wow, right? that's more than I could do. You'd be surprised. Kicking? <laughs> kicking is... I, 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 I tried on the field at Pius during lunch a couple of times. And, oh, okay. And I, and I couldn't even get it there from extra point distance. Oh, seriously? Yeah, our extra points, I mean, they get, they get pretty automatic. So I top out at 25, um, consistently at about the 10. Um, my friend Ethan, I think, made it to, like, the 30... And then just, just couldn't make it happen. Like the 30-yard line or yes, 30 the, yards? the 30-yard line. And that's 40. Right. Yeah. Dustin is on the 38-yard line. It's 48. Which is what the kick was oh, wow. in Colorado. <laughs> we, we put him on the left hash where the kick was from. Colorado. Damn it, Justin. The... If he didn't make the kick... I don't know what to tell you. So the kid's walking on. I don't know how to get in touch with Scott, but we're going to make it happen. This parable is all to say that if a JV basketball player from Columbus High School can put it through the uprights from that distance, someone who is on scholarship to play football at a Power 5 school... In the Big Ten Conference, can't do that consistently. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I just, what kind of systemic failure leads to that kind of thing happening? Because it's not just this, right? Mm-hmm. Pickering sucked out loud all last year. Until Every other comment. the Michigan State game. Until the Michigan State game, right? And I'm not saying that these kickers don't have moments where they're clutch yeah right it's the moments when they don't that we lose games off of kicking which is not something nebraska has historically done right Mm -hmm. alex henry was the 
best college kicker I've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the guy was just automatic from anywhere you'd put him on the field. It mm-hmm. got ridiculous after a while. He was our offense for a good two years. Oh, absolutely. As painful as that is, absolutely. And I'm not saying that I expect Nebraska to be able to recruit the best kicker in the nation every yeah, time. Yeah, I, I don't want to be known as kicker you exactly. Right, exactly. But I'd be fine with being kicker community college or at least throwing a little more funding at the College of Kicking at the University of Nebraska Lake. And like, <sighs> exactly. it's, it's so frustrating to lose a game off of that. Mm-hmm. And it became doubly frustrating to me to see like, oh, wait. A mediocre athlete can do this. Like, what do you think causes us to just... It's it's all of these little things that add up, right? Clear quarterback miscommunications. A oh, clear yes. lack of cohesion on the sideline. Things like, you know, a kicking problem. Where, where does this crap come from? And first of all, I think injuries on special teams, they're so extraordinarily rare that I can see why you'd have a hard time adjusting, especially when... You have a your punter being the place kicker, and like I guess kicking punting, I guess that could mess with your head a bit. Trying to figure out what you need to do with both things, because like a quarterback just needs to be able to throw and run, and you know I guess kicking and punting are two more different motions. I don't know. So so I can see why that would be tough for him to do, but he nailed the first kick, and that surprised me. And then a left-footed kicker, I believe he is from the left hash. A strong enough leg, I've watched him punt to know that he can, you know, he's not always the most accurate with his punts, but he can boom it and just never had a chance. And everybody knew that it wasn't going to have a chance to. Yeah. Because how many times do you see this in college football? You saw it in Michigan Army, too, where a kicker lines up for a kick, an important kick, and you just know he's going to fail. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. You just see it. You just see it. You feel it watching his... It's not even body language. It's not even like how he's holding himself. You, no, just, you just know. Yeah, and I think the everyone in Nebraska, normally. the second you saw someone line up, she's just, oh. I didn't even want us to have a field goal on that drive because a touchdown would have won the game. Yep. And how... And we moved the ball so well. Like, what is, is this team just bad in overtime is it bad yes. in clutch moments like is that what we draw from this i i don't know i i have no takeaways i i just have questions and i hope that like like we don't get that answered this weekend right hopefully not well i i hope it doesn't come down to a clutch moment or an overtime but it could i mean yeah even that but i think that like but but that's not an opponent that you know, Nebraska right. fans would consider an answer that would be, if we lose, it's a travesty. If we win in overtime, it's an escape. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. We talked we talked before the Colorado game yes. about how, oh, they're pissed at how they played against South Alabama, and they're going to go out there, and they're going to hang 90 on them, right? Yeah. Like, the coaches were limiting the playbook. They're going to open it up. Everything's on the table. And for the first half, that's what we saw. We threw it deep. For the first time all year. And it was a touchdown. And then we never threw deep again. Yep. Until the fourth quarter when 
there's like ten seconds left. I've got some I've got some offensive coordinator questions that need to be answered throughout okay. the year. I'll, I'll I'll try my best. No, I mean just like oh, throughout the, throughout I've, got, the year. I've got I've oh. got questions about those that decision making. That like unless that significantly improves, I think we all need to have a sit down and like yeah. On September the 9th, you did knowingly call this play, which you should have called this play. What say you in your defense? Like, there's going to have to be some litigation on that if we don't turn things around this season. Exactly. And I have some qualms with Scott Frost's strategy of you need to run up the middle to set up your drive. You don't. Nope. That, that was never nope. there. The outside was never there. Nope. There's no shame in passing three times on a drive. Nope. Okay? Like, you know. This doesn't bring dishonor upon your family. No. It's no, perfectly normal. Like when it's the only thing that's working, do it. it like I don't know. Ugh. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't like automatic passing, but it was working better than the running game. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And yeah, those runs between the tackles this year. Oh, the run blocking is atrocious. Is it just that teams have come to expect that from Big Ten opponents, and so prep it out? And then, yeah. right? But then, you know, I don't know. I just think that, like, we are not, we are clearly not in the first two games of the year looking like a power run-up-the-middle mm-hmm. team. Why are we still trying to be one? I don't... It's it's the whole, you need to run to set up the pass philosophy. I think, I, I just think Scott Frost is a bit too stubborn in his ways of that. Right. Yeah. Which which stubbornness in your ways is not something I feel like Nebraskans get mad at a whole lot. No. Right. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty universal Midwestern thing. <laughs> but it's just oh, I don't even know. I don't even know. Can we stop talking about this game and start talking uh, about one, one, one more thing? This the O line did not really play that good. Oh. Okay. Colorado's O line. They were got away with so much holding to the point that yeah. I was legitimately pissed that Nebraska was not holding. Yeah, we need because the refs aren't calling it. No. The, the, the Moe's big touchdown, like seventy-five yards. Kano Wainoa, obvious hold in front of the ref. The ref didn't give a crap. Right. We should have been holding. Yeah, they're not calling it. If they call it, then stop doing it. We should have been breaking the rules. Should I have a moral qualm about this? Absolutely. Yeah. Do I have that moral quality? No. Not at all. He should no. have been holding. The zebras sucked the entire game. They right? were awful. But, like, we did not use that well. We didn't play to protect ourselves, yes. and we also didn't exploit the calls they weren't making. Yeah. Which is just, like, again, I don't know if it's lack of communication. I don't know if it's lack of wherewithal. And, you know, coaches aren't going to tell their guys to hold, but players... You should know that if a ref is more lenient, you can be more aggressive. That's how you phrase it. Yeah. It's like, plug your nose and make the sausage, but, you what know. What in the world is that? Plug your nose and make the sausage? It's a saying. Where? Like how the sausage gets made. Well, does it smell bad when it's made? Have you ever, you've never, no, I've never made sausage. There's so many, so many jokes. Um... <laughs> Yeah, no, like, you, you know, it, it's just, when they make, like, hot dogs, you've got, like, leftover pig everything. Mm-hmm. You you grind that chisel up, and then you put it into casings. Does that sound like fun to you? But Have is you... the smell the worst part, or is, like, the genuine horror of shoving a pig carcass into a tube the worst part? <laughs> yes, all of the above. <laughs> 
but I think the worst part is the fact that you're forcing me to litigate this right now. Justin, I'm going to ask okay, I'm one gonna... more time. Yeah. Can we not talk about Husker football on the Husker football yeah. podcast that we have anymore? Okay, I, I, I could easily go on for like another 20 minutes. Liverpool's top of the league. We can talk there about that. Go. Good, That's good great for news. How, good for them. How many games have they played? Is, is this an early lead? We, we've played four. Okay. But we've won all four. Yeah. And Man City's three one, and then the, well three and a draw, right? You, you don't, you draws can't really say draws are not wins. Draws aren't wins. Draws aren't wins. Especially in soccer, where nobody ever wins, everybody draws. Right. You need to, if you win a game, you impress me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need to win games to, um, to win games. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's actually kind of a controversial opinion in soccer, but uh, here are the states. Yeah. You need to win games to win games. Yeah. I feel pretty strongly about that. I'll go on Twitter after a Liverpool draw, and they'll be like, wow, a draw. We were lucky to get away with a point there. And I'm like, no, no, no feeling good after draws. I don't care if we started down 3-0 and we come back to 3-3. Yes, that was impressive. That was an impressive way to almost lose. Not winning. Not positive. Home. (laughs) Well, next week, I don't think it'll get any easier for Nebraska. Because Northern Illinois played at 13th ranked Utah and lost 35-17. And after, like, they were tied at half, they showed, they put up a great fight. And they just look like a better version of what South Alabama did to us. Like, they have a competent quarterback. They have a great run defense. I am not looking forward to it. I'm, I am I can't go. Oh. I have a debate tournament, so... Yeah, you can tell me what happens on the podcast next time. Yes, I, I, I'm very excited to do that. Good. I will just, I, I you know what? I will probably know the scoreline or at least mm-hmm. who wins. Okay. Because I don't think I can avoid that. Yeah. But as far as any like actual like what the hell happened stuff, mm-hmm. I'll let you just, just fill me in. Does that sound like an interesting uh, podcast that's, concept? That's what I was thinking too. Great. Okay. That's, let's talk about Georgia Tech. All right. This brings us to a new segment on our debut episode. My new where they're favorite all, segment. I call it Traditionally Weird, where we do a deep dive into the stranger traditions from college football and maybe even other sports. Who knows? And on this episode, it, you know, Colorado has a buffalo if they run onto the field. Right. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. There are the buffaloes. Checks out. It's, it's the one thing I'll give them credit for because I hate that entire state now. Kind of tracks logically. Yeah. You know, you got a buffalo, you put the buffalo on the field. That Yeah, I, I follow that. Yeah. Georgia Tech, they're the Yellow Jackets. Uh-huh. Obviously, you cannot have a, sw- a swarm of bees unleashed. Right. I mean, so can... instead, they just put someone with a bee costume on the field and called it good, right, Justin? No. The bee costume needs to go on the field by way of a Ford Model T that leads the team out onto the field before I, every game. I didn't even I didn't even know this part. This is Look it up. Okay. This was not my part of the Georgia Tech. Oh, that's the Ramblin' Wreck. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I had to I had to Oh, no. You lied to me. What? The Ramblin' Wreck from Georgia Tech as per Wikipedia is the 1934 Model A Sport Coupe. Oh. It's... Which is practically a Prius compared to a Model T. So good lord. You liar. This is not a Model T at all. It's a sweet ride. <laughs> it is. That thing's just only awesome. How are they not mad about that jacking up the turf? 
I feel like this is something yeah. more people should be. Also, the people driving it look like people doing a bad impression of the guys from the movie Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, which, wow. which makes me happy. <laughs> but, um, oh yeah, and then they put the little yellow jacket guy on the car. Yes. Is this... So the flags on the side say, give them hell, Georgia Tech, that's fine. But then to hell with Georgia, yes. right? Yeah. Which is just, they're not even in the same conference anymore. No. There is a fantastic, um, like, rivalry, like, you know, overview video by SB Nation that kind of turned us on to all the weird stuff that's going on at Georgia Tech that you should totally check out. And, so, and uh, Georgia, Georgia Tech, uh, side note, they have the best rivalry name in college football. They call it clean, old-fashioned hate. Which is exactly what you expect from Georgia on, like, 80 different levels. But, um, yeah, no, it is a is a great rivalry name and a great rivalry. Um, okay, here we go. Here's your Model T thing. The first mechanical mascot at Georgia Tech was a 1914 Model T owned That's by Dean easy. Floyd Field. You Field see? drove the car to and from class every day from 1916. What? From 1916 until 1928. If she to wants. and from class. Yeah. He's is does this mean he's a student the entire time? Well what do deans do exactly? Do they not? Does it say he's class? a dean? Oh his name's not Dean, he is the Dean. Oh <laughs> I thought I really thought he was a student. And I was like, what is that? An eighth year senior, a ninth year senior, if you've been there 12 years. He just purposely gets held back so he can keep on driving his car to campus. Man, I love college. Like, jeez. <laughs> All right. It belonged to the dean. Mm-hmm. Not the, dean. The, the dean. The dean, which mm-hmm. in 1914 was called the dean of men. What? Well, that's... That will not fly today? Nope. That's pretty... Pretty not. I don't PC. even think. I don't even think Georgia Tech allowed girls until like the sixties or something. Mm. Yeah. Let's not talk about the other other elephant in the Georgian room. I am not going to. Good. Uh, eventually, it's the students. Racism. It, there is a lot of racism. Just a lot of racism. <laughs> Just a whole bunch. Whole bunch of low key racism. Also, a bunch of weird stuff happened around Georgia Tech in Georgia in World War One. You remember from that video? All right, folks. No. So Georgia, you know, like a good school, sends its native sons to die in the forest of our dead in World War One, because you know, you know, screw them. Uh, <laughs> Every person over eighty listening has a tear in their eye right now. To our senior, to our senior listeners, I apologize, but I don't apologize that much because you're gonna die soon, so that's okay. Take that, boomers. You can be mad, but you won't be mad for long. Boomers are our parents' age. They're not. Oh, really? Well, yeah. Like, oh, wow. I, I got my timeline. So, so was World War One the greatest? The greatest generation. They then? were the silent generation. That's oh. like Hemingway's generation. They're all dead. Are there any World War One veterans? Oh no! I, I, my main source of history is Rick Harrison's dad from Pawn Stars. So, <laughs> didn't he die? I think so. <laughs> you have no main source of history. No, I don't, because I'm oh, not in any history classes taught by old fogies. <laughs> yep, they're all dead. 
The last one died in 2012. You know how old he was? 103? 110. Hmm. Yes. Claude Hulls, who served in the British Royal Navy and later the Royal Australian Navy. He died 5 May 2011, age 110. For I can still remember crawling over the trench and watching my brothers go to die. And I laughed, knowing that one day I'd die. Yes. Rule Britannia. <laughs> Which, by the way, is like, as far as like national songs go, oh, yeah. Rule Britannia, probably one of the coolest ones. Why do countries always screw the pooch when it comes to choosing their national anthem? Yeah, I know. That's, Everyone's Rule got a cooler song. Just... so much better yeah. than God Save now, the God Queen. God Save the Queen is a good one, but Rule it's Britannia... Good. Oh, it's amazing. And much less monarchical, which is Mm -hmm. just old school fascism. And I'm going to take like one real political opinion on this show. Fascism's probably bad. Boo, fascism. Didn't the queen just shut down the government or something? I don't know. That's not how anything works. Well, she did something. Listeners, (laughs) please go consume real journalism about Brexit and disregard what Justin has to say. No, the queen can't just Just willy-nilly shut down parliament. That's not how anything works. I'm going to have to add a Brexit corner to our sports show if you keep talking. And you don't want that. Just in the nick of time. You're number three source for Brexit news. Oh my god, I can't do this. <laughs> I resign. Nick will spontaneously combust if we talk more about Britain. So back to Georgia. Right. No, I'm, I'm happy with this whole, like, um, national anthems. Oh, discussion. yeah, the national anthems. That's where we were. If you could make any song, the American national anthem. Well, I think it has to have something to do with America. Like, you okay. know. Like, wow. there, there's so many obvious meme picks, like, Smash Mouth All-Star, you know, stuff like no, that. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm that, more that, interested like, in, like... But if I'm taking a semi-serious look at this, having something that has to at least have something to do with America... Hmm. Gosh, this is a very deep question. Yeah. So, I have you, long you, held... You probably have a very well thought answer. I mean, I did ask the question. Yes. Because <laughs> so right now I'm just cycling through the, you know, jingoistic country song mm-hmm. Bible. Of... See, and that, that's a fairly good place to look, right? Yeah. Like... I've long held, though, that our national anthem should be America the Beautiful. First of all... It's a better song. It's a better song. Just from a, that's... From a purely holistic standpoint... Wait, is, is that the Oh Beautiful for Spacious Skies one? Yeah, right? Okay. And it's not a march, which makes it an interesting choice, mm-hmm. although neither really is the Star-Spangled Banner a true march. Yeah. Um, we've, got, we've got plenty of marches. When we realized we didn't have enough, John Philip Sousa came in clutch and wrote us a hell of a lot more. Oh, God! Yeah. The OG. Yeah. Our listeners must really appreciate a podcast about sports where we call John Philip Sousa the OG. He but is, dude. He is, man. Like, half of our good songs. Stars and Stripes Forever. That's, that's amazing. That's, that's bang. But, uh... Yeah, and like, he's, he's this, this... There's a Sousa phone in every marching band. Absolutely. Ohio State's famous for their Sousa phone. Right. Yeah. And nothing else except scandal. What's up, Urban Meyer? 
But um, how are you on TV? What's BTN like? I actually think that's a really interesting thing. He's on Fox with. I thought he was on BTN. No. He's like on. Mm. He's nope. like on network. Fox. I'm post up and Google on this with Reggie Bush. That's a very interesting pairing. Two guys who had, who both blatantly cheated. At least Reggie Bush had like a far more justifiable angle to his cheating than Urban Meyer. But yeah, it's a very interesting pairing. I hate it when you're right about things. He's on Whoa! Fox. Um. So yeah, I think America the Beautiful is great for a lot of reasons. One, mm. it's just wholly a better song. Oh yeah. No, it gives you a broader variety of like artists that can do the national anthem at the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. right? And it is much more stylistically adaptable. If you don't believe me, go listen to Ray Charles' version because you will hear it and you'll be like, yeah, I suppose this is the same song, but like, yeah. is it? Because it's so much better than anything I've ever heard before. Exactly. Uh, if and you he... don't know what I'm talking about, the, the, the Sandlot scene from the 4th of July, that's what that's from. Possibly the most American I feel is watching that scene. Just like, that's America. I genuinely think that should be the national anthem. Justin, you're about to say God bless the broken road, aren't you? <laughs> to be clear, I'm pretty sure Justin is the person who introduced me to Rascal Flats. Oh, yeah. They, they're and I'll great. never forgive you for that. I honestly like their music. Like, I'm not super high on them as I was back in the day, but... You were, you it, were really big on yeah. Rascal Flats, man. I was. <laughs> Screw it. God bless the USA by, by Lee Greenwood or whoever that guy is. I'm proud to be an American. You know that one? It's a good one. That's a good one. Or or, or America. Yeah. America. Yeah. So, Georgia Tech yeah. has a fight song. They do. Do you know what the name of that fight song is? I know it was taken uh, from a drinking song. Yes. And they changed none of the lyrics. They- um, I'm just going to I'm just going to read you cuz I imagine we're going to get copyright infringement bs if we play it on the air yes right so i'll just read you the lyrics here i'm a rambling wreck from georgia tech and a hell of an engineer a hell of 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 an engineer like all the jolly good fellows i drink my whiskey clear i'm a rambling wreck from georgia tech and a hell of an engineer okay that's weird enough right yeah i didn't know that all the jolly good fellows drank their whiskey clear i imagine that some of them probably enjoy a mai tai from now and you know now to then yeah yeah but, you know, I guess to, to be a jolly good fellow, you have to drink your whiskey clear and trust Georgia to be exclusionary. So, um, the next verse. Oh, if I had a daughter, sir, I'd dress her in white and gold. That, that fine so far. Yeah. A little bit gender normative. We're going we're gonna to let that slide, seeing as it's Georgia and we're grading on a curve here. <laughs> oh, and I'd put her on the campus, sir, to cheer on the brave and bold. That's progressive for Georgia. The brave and the bold was the title of the first uh, Batman comic book. Oh, I How thought it I probably know? I thought it was probably a Rascal Flat song. No. Brave that's just that's just and the bold. That's their troops pandering anthem they release every July. Yeah, exactly. I think they just re-release the same song every July and everyone's like, I love Rascal Flat's new for the July song. Rascal Flats, they've been making the same song for the past, you know, ten years. Right. They they used to switch it up. Now they've they're in full autopilot mode. Now here's it. Now here's here, here's one of the best lines. And if I had a son, sir, I'd tell you what he'd do. He'd yell to hell with Georgia like his daddy used to do. That takes commitment to yes. say in our school's official fight song, we are gonna write in how much we hate Georgia. Mm-hmm. Do they play Georgia every year? Yes, on Thanksgiving. Rivalry week. Yep. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I imagine that like the tailgating outside must just be 
incredible. incredible. Oh my gosh. It's got to be like some Popeyes versus Chick-fil-A level BS. Mm-hmm. By the way, we haven't talked about that yet, have it's, we? It's I have I haven't had the mythical chicken what? sandwich yet what? from Popeyes, but just go. Oh, it's so is it, good. Do they still have it? Well, I don't know if I. We got it like the week it became cool. Like oh. we immediately were like, oh, we love Popeyes. They've got a chicken sandwich. This has to happen. Whenever whenever they come back. All right, so. Let's 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 chat about this. Yes, I'm so excited to get to talk about the Popeyes chicken sandwich. And I know that everyone's already heard about this, but like yeah, I do, they've, they've literally ran out. I do what? believe I have a unique take. Okay, I am all ears. I've heard literally every take. So besides bef- yours, before I went, <clears throat> I understand that there could probably be a legitimate argument between. Chick fil A and Popeyes, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? This is probably going to come down to a matter of preference. Mm-hmm. But then you have the Popeyes chicken sandwich and you say, I think I can probably scientifically prove that this sandwich is better than a Chick fil A sandwich on pretty much every metric. The bun, in general, a better chicken sandwich bun, right? Because you want a fairly thick bun. A chicken oh, yeah. sandwich. You like don't the, want one of those pasty fall apart, just like terrible those messes. Those are the worst. Because chicken sandwiches are like the best food ever. And, you know, I ordered one at like a sit-down restaurant once. And, oh, the bun crumbled as soon as I picked it up. Yeah. No. Bun integrity. But the bun integrity on these things, I swear to God. Like, you could hit that thing with a jackhammer and it would bounce back. Right. So the bun's great. Uh, and then... Is it, it still edible with it being indestructible? Yeah, that's the thing. Is like they've, they've probably got some sort of special thing, but like it, you, you can sink your teeth into it just fine. But it is like... It, it holds its shape really, really well. It's very... It's gluten-y. There's some binding agent. So it's like, you know, it's like some like putty in a Almost, bun form. But like it, it's it's still soft and like bready to the, to the taste. Yeah. So then they've got these pickles on the motherfucker, right? (laughs) (laughs) And these things are just life-changingly good pickles. Like, so they're the the round-cut ones, right? Mm -hmm. But they're just, like, vinegary goodness that seeps into the, like, bun, first of all. But more importantly, the, um, the, like, breading of the chicken sandwich. So even when you're done eating the pickles on the sandwich, like you're down to the last corner, you don't have any more pickle, and you're like, oh, this is terrible. You bite, you're like, there's still pickle. The pickle hasn't left me. The pickle lives within me. Like, it's this magical, beautiful experience. So then they've got... I'm Pickle Nick! (laughs) I'm just going to pack up and leave now. I'm putting my things away. My headphones are off. I don't know what this sounds like anymore. We're no, no, no. We're not ending. Oh, okay. Oh, I was joking around. Um, no. At first I thought so. And then so great. The pickles are great. Uh, the breading is just crispier and flakier. But then here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Chick-fil-A. My main complaint about Chick-fil-A for a long time. <laughs> the obvious complaints someone of my ilk has about Chick-fil-A. Uh, is that... um. You know, that chicken's dry as shit, man. Like, it's, it's the Sahara of chicken. You take a bite of that, you're like, oh, God. I need to drink some of your overpriced but very, very good lemonade right now. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't, so help me God, I'm going to choke and die. 
Popeyes. I think I mostly drank that chicken sandwich. Like it was, it was that moist. Mm. It's just, mm, it's like. So you're 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 a fellow meat fan. You're a yeah. meat enthusiast. You know, we had long conversations about steak in grade school. I'm sure that hasn't yeah. changed a whole lot. It should. Climate change is bad, kids. Oh yeah. But one of the most one of the best appeals of meat is like just the sensation of tearing what formerly was a living thing apart for your sustenance right we can all agree on this let's just go we full can? yeah okay yeah. I, I, I taste why good. do you think we eat chicken wings why do you think we eat ribs they taste good not because you want to feel a little bit barbaric okay you want the sauce going everywhere you want to feel ligaments snap in your hands as you put food into your face right you want something visceral. You want something real. Because let me tell you, viscerally eating things. We live in a world that's fairly disconnected from our past, like, primordial selves, right? As it darn well should be. Yes, right? Well, Not yes, dying of typhoid. Pretty cool. But, but there are very few places in modern life where you get to really tap into that that sense of, you know, without being like one of those weirdos who's like, I'm going to have to hike the Appalachian Trail, right? Yeah, like, no. that's a bridge too far. No, You're like, being weird. This is the at-home version. The at-home version of the Appalachian Trail is the Popeye's chicken sandwich, right? I genuinely think that, like, having experiences like the Popeye's chicken sandwich probably stop you from going insane and becoming a serial killer. Tough. That's the kind of thing that just lets, lets enough out of the valve that you don't have to, like, you know, go insane. So... Popeye's chicken sandwich, great sandwich, cure for insanity. Oh, the last, the last stanza of Ramblin' Wreck. Right. Yeah. Because we got to the fun part, yeah. No, everything before this was very good and fun. This was just... Uh, Encouraging really, alcoholism amongst college kids. Just to run up to the real alcoholism and This is, this is a, like, officially endorsed by a university, too. It's on their website, yeah, all the lyrics. I'm on the website right now. Yeah. Um, oh, I wish I had a barrel of rum and sugar 3,000 pounds, a college bell to put it in, which... What? First of all, this has got to be a big barrel of rum <laughs> to need that much sugar. A college bell... Which, yeah, I imagine it's no bigger than, like, I don't know, like, the Liberty Bell, which I've seen. It's not that cool. There's a crack. And it's a replica. Um, a college bell to put it in and a clapper, which I imagine is just, like, a yeah a stirring device. <laughs> I drink to all the good fellows who come from far and near. I'm a rambling, gambling, hell of an engineer. Hey. So that's all fine and good. I have one problem. Okay. In the first, first verse, we learned that all the jolly good fellows drink their whiskey clear. Mm-hmm. Then we learn that he's drinking rum and sugar 3,000 pounds. There's just, I gave you one stanza in which to say to hell with Georgia. I turn around and look, you've contradicted yourself. So, like, other than that, that's pretty great. Maybe they Georgia drank Tech, all the whiskey. <laughs> having a filter sucks. <laughs> um, okay, so that's neat. We've talked about Georgia Tech. Yeah. Checkmark. Done. Do you have time for scorigami? We absolutely have time for scorigami. Oh, we right. have like 20 whole scorigami minutes, maybe even 30. Ooh! Yeah. Scorigami. Scorigami. I'm going to pull up a chart right now. Uh, there's a whole website. It's amazing. It's great. I saw it last night. It's, it's developed by uh, my hero and my leech for content, John Boyce. Absolutely. A content leech. Don't watch John Boyce because then you'll have no reason to watch us. Yeah. 
he made this incredible video uh, about an invention he came up with called Scorigami, which is... Uh, it's on his show Chart Party, every NFL score ever. Yes. Uh, it's Scorigami, basic definition. It's when an uh, NFL game finishes in a score that has not happened before in an NFL game. It happened just this Sunday. The Ravens demolished the Dolphins for 59-10. to 10. They basically did to them what the Hurricane did to the coast of Florida. All right. And that was the first time in NFL history a game had finished with the score 59 to 10. So that square is marked off on the chart party. And yeah, Scoregami, it's a score that has never happened before. Yeah, that's a pretty good explanation of, um, of Scoregami. Now, there, yeah, that new Scoregami was 59 to 10, mm-hmm. right? Which is like not a particularly interesting Scoregami. Yeah. Um, but one of the really neat things about Scoregami is that there are some some scores that statistically just don't like it's very clear why that wouldn't happen a whole lot um which we'll get into i imagine in a minute like there's some like 14 8 like that's never happened before when i first saw that score open i'm like how has there never been 14 8 but then i think about it and i'm like oh why well why would that team go for two yeah Uh yeah there's just no logical reason to do that yeah so a lot of like you're like a riverboat gambler i go for two on the first touchdown type of guy right which i am by the way you gotta be a riverboat gambler i go for two on the first touchdown kind of guy that's the only kind of guy to be but um yeah there's just weird 20 to 11 that's weirdly open why you know i guess 11's a weird score to have yeah because that would you almost need a safety to no you could get touchdown you'd almost point and, and a field goal but then why would you go for two right a lot of it is, like, there's no incentive to go for two. Mm-hmm. I think if teams switched more, as there have been papers in the past, and I'm sure we will talk about when we run out of things to say, mm-hmm. that are like, wait, teams should go for two, like, oh, way yeah. more often. Analytics. Analytics. Neat stuff that we pretend to understand. Um, but then there are some, some, like, interesting peaks and valleys where there's, like, there's nothing. It is technically possible for a team to score one point yes, in is. a game. So on the Scorigami chart, which if you're a good listener, you're looking at right now, you're going to see, like, a very long canyon of blank spaces in the ones place. And Justin's going to explain why that's possible. Okay. Well, you can, um, on football, there is one commonly agreed upon way to score one point. That is score touchdown and kick an extra point. And that's how you add one point to your score. You can't just kick an extra point to get one point. It doesn't work like that. However, the things get messy when you add in a two-point conversion. Because if you get a two-point conversion, if you intercept their two-point conversion attempt and run it back, you can't get a touchdown because the maximum amount of points you can score on a game on that play is two. So so the ultimate prize on a two-point conversion is two points. But you can still get one point. If there is some, if you do an act that scores less than what a regular touchdown would, that act is a safety. And it's happened twice in college football where the extra point is blocked, it is recovered, they, the team that recovers it tries to return out of the end zone, they backtrack, get tackled in the end zone, and that's a safety. That one point gets added to the team that scores the touchdown score, makes it basically a made extra point. But there is a way where a team blocks an extra point this is this is what i think the most likely way would be and then 
for some reason, they don't give up chasing them. They chase them. They chase the ball carrier all the way to the goal line, and the ball carrier, whoopsie-daisy, he fumbles it. The, the guy who was chasing him picks it up in the end zone. He's like, oh, gosh, I got to get out of here. I don't want a safety. But he gets trapped and tackled in the end zone. That's one point. One point for the... Offensive? Defensive? How does it work from here? Oh, how... I just mind-brained myself. Okay. The kicking team? No, no, no. no, no. The receiving, the receiving yeah. the blocking team. Yes, the blocking team will get one point because even though they squandered their opportunity at the two-point conversion, they did gain a safety. Right. So that would make it, let's say it's first score of the game, 6-1. Then no one can score again. Or at least yes. the team with the one point can't score again. Yes, to finish with one. And right. If that happens, if a team ever has a one in the column, the game should end. That's my yeah. that's my opinion because we cannot um, mess that up. I think that it actually makes it all the more interesting, and like, beautiful, if we get super close to a scoregami, and then they kick a field goal. Because yeah, that's a four. One, we miss a really really cool scoregami, but two, we do still probably get a scoregami, right? Yeah, because unless unless the other team scores ten. Right, because the only column that's filled in on the scoregami chart in four is ten. Obviously, four pretty rare as well because mm-hmm. someone needs to get that one point, and then they need to, or they need to get two safeties, or two safeties, and safeties are very rare nowadays. Right, especially in a game that that's low, that's low scoring, which yeah. is like you know, rare in and of itself. Safeties, good way to get scoregami. Missed extra points, decent way to get scoregami. Lots and lots of weird field goals. Two-point conversions. Good way oh, to get absolutely. new scoregami. Um, am I missing anything? There's been one NFL game that's ended 2-0. And that safety was what was called a ground rule safety. Meaning that it hit a fence. Yes. Happened in 1923. It was between the... Um, Akron Pros and... And the Buffalo All-Americans. The other 2-0 game happened in 1938 between the Bears and the Packers. And so th- they threw a pass and it hit a fence that was like out of the end zone, but like apparently you couldn't hit that fence. That's a safety. Mm-hmm. I say we bring that back. There have actually been four examples of this game. Oh. So the Pros versus the Buffalo All-Americans in 1923 and then it happens again in 26, the Kansas City Cowboys versus the Buffalo Rangers. On the 29th of November in 28, you've got the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets and the Green Bay Packers. And then the next two times that it's only a safety is Packers, Bears, Bears, Packers. <laughs> Which stands to reason. Yeah. When you think about hard scrabble, like, you know, mm-hmm. upper Midwest football. That's Bears, Packers. Yeah, that's, that's real Bears, Packers. Defense <laughs> scoring two points and calling it good. <laughs> That's that's pretty damn upper midwestern. That's the bears. <laughs> All right, what other, what else can we cover about scoregami? Because I feel like there's. Oh, I was just gonna go off on a whole tangent about how we should bring back fences behind the end zone. Absolutely. Yeah, because because that's what you know. Baseball. I'm not as big of a fan as I once was. I still follow it. I still occasionally watch it. The thing I it has an advantage over other sports. The home team gets to choose the dimension of the playing field. Yes, absolutely. In this football, is there is thing. nothing about that. Right. If we can add that if there's 
a fence, we could make it super close to the back of the end zone. So if you even think about throwing in the end zone, you're risking a safety. And, you know, we can make it tall, short. Here's but, a, here's and we still only give the fans a good view. So it would be marvels in architecture. Here's, here's, the, here's the thought. Here's, here's some thinking. What if, if you could, like, change anything about a football field if you were a home team? How might you change it? Because I have a theory. Okay. Go ahead. I'm a power run team. I want one end of the field to look like this. Oh. And one end of the field to like, you know, to, to, I want it all Downhill for the listeners to slope. Right. Because if we're headed downhill, I have a huge advantage because my, you know, power offense. running back, my offense is going to be able to move the ball much, much faster you know, people are going to trip all over themselves trying to tackle them. It's going to be great. This is great for the run game. But if we're running uphill, it is still great for the run game because we are going to be able to move the ball better than their team is going to be able to move the mm-hmm. ball in their direction. So our run game's still better. It just highlights on both, whichever end of the field we're coming from, highlights what we're doing. I also think what would be neat is if you're kind of like a mixed offense, you put a little peak Ooh. at the 50 platform you got a decent quarterback that can pick people out going downhill either way kind of an interesting thing but people still got to work to get to the top and then here's the other cool thing with the little plateau you got this cool king of the hill thing going right so somebody tries to tackle you no just push him off the side someone tries to tackle you nope just push him off the side till eventually the quarterback is the only one standing in the middle there just you know hundreds of adoring fans and we've turned football into king of the hill which is a better sport anyway yeah and that's the show everybody See you later, folks. See you later. Good show. I liked it.